Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design in Melbourne, and I'm with a very interesting um, designer, Helen Contouris. I'm feeling a bit guilty because I really haven't touched base with Helen for many, many years, and I've just seen her career blossom quite enormously. And so I'm feeling partly guilt to have you here, but also very excited to have you on the program. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Really excited to be here. Helen, you've had an amazing career and and people think it's an overnight success, but you've been going since 2001 Mm -hmm. as a designer, creating furniture, lighting, all sorts of products. And you started uh, at RMIT. I did. In interior design, not industrial design. Yes, well, well back. (laughs) Why interior design and why didn't you become, why didn't you go on to become an interior designer? Um, Do you know, since I was a young girl, I, I always wanted to be an interior, interior designer. And uh, I would say even 10 years old, as early back as that. So I literally... um, Someone in the family was an interior designer? No, we had no artistic sort of elements within the family. Uh, My mother's a very good artist, unknown artist, but she she used to draw wonderful, wonderful pieces of art. Um, And I remember having a conversation with her one day and and, um, she said, you know, there's all these vocations and she started listing all the different types of vocations out there and one of them was interior design and it just sounded fabulous. And Mm. from then on, it was sort of, you know, that's what I would like to do. And um, I I started, you know, pursuing every element to to look to head towards that way and um, got into interior decorating and design. And So interior decorating first and then on to interior design at RMIT. Well, interior decorating at RMIT and then went on once I've completed doing that course, um, actually started doing design, really, because we... Uh, I started working on cafes and restaurants. So really from the decorating course? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Self-initiated, sort of, you know, what speaking happened? to... Just skipped the whole. <laughs> <laughs> so very intuitive. I mean, what happens when someone just plonks a brief in your hand, I want a cafe, Helen? You've had no um, real experience. A bit of a freak out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you... I mean, I would have thought you'd freak out. I mean, there's only logistics involved there, in creating a cafe. There are. Yeah, there are. Um, it was just it, obviously a massive learning curve, um, which, you know, I think the skills brought and carried me through to why I moved into, you know, industrial and product design today. So, yeah, it was mm. very enjoyable, a lot of work, Um so how did the furniture thing start? Uh, in 2001, you did the 101 chair mm-hmm. for the Milan Furniture Fair or the uh, Mobile. Salone da Mobile, so, yeah. Um, how did that come about? Because that was this chair, for people who don't know it, it was quite an... Um, iconic, a, yeah. It's become, I hate the word iconic, but it has been a very significant chair mm. that was later taken on by Chevalho. It was, yeah. Um I was reading some literature, actually, at the time on RMIT and a small group called Melbourne Movement at the time. I remember that. Yeah, which was um, helmed, Cal- helmed by Kel Grant. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I, reading this particular piece of literature, they were talking about how some ex-students um, from RMIT, along with, it wasn't just an RMIT thing, along with some um, uh, other designers that they'd sort of... Um, 
uh, vetted, I suppose, um, selected some products to take to the Milan Furniture Fair. I do remember that now, mm. and it was amazing. And at the time, I was in my early 20s, and I thought, wow, that sounds fabulous. How do I go and do, do that? <laughs> so... Uh, untrained in furniture design, um, I just started thinking, wow, you know, this would be amazing. And so I um, was heavily influenced at the time by, you know, sculptors like Clement Meadmore and Brancusi and um, and I started experimenting with, you know, very sculptural forms. Using what type of materials? Anything you could get your hands on? You know, on. yeah. Um, rubber bands, um, Fimo, um, anything that was pliable, anything paper, of course, paper mache, um, anything that I could literally use with that was tactile. I'm a very tactile designer and I don't utilise, you know, the CAD software I do. Still to this day, even with staff, I, I'm the one who does the markets and prototyping and and um, they take those ideas and turn them into computer ideas. However, going back to, um, you know, probably early 2000s when I created this, that's that's the main reason. Um, How would you describe that chair for people who can't see it? It's quite ribbon-like. It's this one line that tends to... Yeah, there was an interesting quote once, um, and someone described it as a suspended piece of fettuccine uh, or suspended mid-twist, and I thought that's that was quite a lovely way to describe uh, what it is. But for me, I mean, from side profile, I'd always enjoyed um, the swan chair, and so it has references. Honey Jacobson's yeah, swan chair. Yeah, yeah. So there are references to to a swan from side profile. There's a lot of negative space. Um, uh, the idea that you've got such a thin material, literally, you know, made of, well, internal is uh, fiberglass, and the, the fact that this particular um, sheet, essentially, can be formed into something that's made into a seat was incredibly interesting to me at the time. When you designed it, when it was kind of complete, mm-hmm. did you kind of stand back and think, I've got something really special here, or do you think I could do more? I mean, what's your reaction? I get, um, and still to this day when I know I've designed something I think is going to be successful, I, I really do get those butterfly moments. And that's what I'm searching for for every single project. It's that, ah, did the butterflies. If if there's no butterflies, <laughs> project doesn't so go. So you're now designing for places like space, furniture, mm-hmm. also style craft. What are some of the other things that have really made a, a mark, do you feel? Product-wise, um Look, it was interesting. The product I did with space, um, it was a it was a uh, a plastic rotationally moulded chair, and um, I had this idea that um, I'd seen a lot of plastic products out on the market, but there was this um, there was this idea always, and and I think everyone has struggled with it that a plastic you know item. Uh, can it's often cheap. look quite economical and cheap, and I sort of thought, what if, what if I can attempt to make a plastic product appear that it's not plastic at all? And essentially, working through the process of, you know, the way that it's textured and the way that, you know, there's the creation of um, essentially basket woven basket weave on. It looks the- like it's layered over the top, um, and it's a stool table. It's a stool side table, but. A lot of people um, thought that that actually did have a secondary layer 
um, textural layer on top. They thought it was um, rubberized. You know, all these different impressions. Um, I think we were quite successful in creating a, an object that you know elevated. And that was sold through space. It's still sold through space. Yeah. And it's called the. Uh, it's called panier, pan- which is a French store. word for for basket. Which has that woven feel. Mm. Um, what else are you? been up to? What are some of the other products that have really... Well, um, look, interesting one, uh, I suppose, is this one, the the Minka chaise and chair. Um, this was shown at the same time at the Milan Furniture Fair. In when, 2001? 2001, when I showed um, the 101 chair. Again, very, very sculptural chair. It was based on um, uh, the open wingspan of a bird, if you can have a look from the yeah. top top profile. Um, and having a look at this image here, you can sort of see. However, Beautiful. interestingly... Uh, is it is it paint, is almost like a, a, a lacquered finish on the base yeah, and then felt on the... It's the same lacquered finish that uh, uh, Louis Vuitton and Gucci use on their... Um, Shoes and bags. No, on their um, displays. So in actual fact, we used the same... Um, the same fabricator. Um, and so from the front profile, interesting story at the Milan Furniture Fair, I, we had so many people, because it's called Minka, um, coming up and saying, oh, Minka, and giving these very funny reactions. And well, I think thinking, it was Russian. No, they were Italian, but they kept saying, you know, you sh- why have you called it Minka, Minka? And it turns out in Italian, Minka means vagina. <laughs> <laughs> And there is a <laughs> very remote well, resemblance. Um, so, it so, but was it didn't change. It didn't force you to change. Its no. Name. Once I found that out, I thought that's fantastic. How can you? How can you drop that name when? Um, when it's got such that's a great hilarious. story. So. And you've now come up with Minka two, Minka three. Well, these are just the different images to to show you. But um, essentially. Uh, it was it was lovely because um, a couple of months back from September until November, I had a solo show in Tasmania, um, and this image is showing um, uh, one of one of the displays at uh, Design Tasmania where Minka was shown. It's that's a limited edition; it had, hadn't been shown for a long time. But yeah, it was wonderful to see the responses of people viewing it again. Helen, what are some of the more recent projects that you've been working on in terms of products? Well, <clears throat> we did uh, a seeding collection for Stylecraft called Softscape, and uh, this this for me was an interesting project. Um, we were asked to uh, come up with a lounging system, so of you know single seater, two seater, three seater, um, just a lounge, table. yeah, just like a regular lounge suite, and. Um, I set about working on that and probably a month into working on this project I was I was on my way to a meeting I was actually overseas at the time in Belgium and <clears throat> just before I went into my meeting my power cord uh sorry my laptop was about to to expire, expire. and I started thinking wow you know I mean obviously there's power in a lot of um items these days but this was um, three years ago, and I sort of thought, gee, I think we really need to explore the idea of seating a lot more 
And I came back to the guys at Stylecraft and said, look, you know, I think this project needs to be a lot bigger than just a regular lounge system. And it turned out to be 28 seating items. And with the accessories, there's something like 700 different options. So it was massive. Um, And who was that for? That's for Stylecraft. Yeah. And it basically includes... Uh, everything from coffee table that's kind of feels like it's part of the same nest mm. to a built-in light, or is that a detached yeah. light? Uh, that one's a floor lamp, um, and so we work. Everything's made in in Melbourne, and we work with a whole bunch of um, really incredible, very talented artisans, essentially. Um, that and this is more for on. an office space, or well, it's been it's been it was created to make uh, to make sense in obviously office spaces, but also it's done incredibly well in residential. Not these particular ones, but more the sofa items in residential spaces as well as hospitality, um, you know, universities. And you can just grow it. It grows, and that's the thing. It essentially can go into any any environment. So but, you can have an S shaped module system that fits this enormous room or you can break it into one or two pieces yeah yeah almost anything and you can customize it or is that off limits we have been customizing yeah but i think the thing we really enjoyed was for instance with the glass blowers like um working with glass blowers uh to create products that extended we went through um you know the sourcing process of trying to work with a number of glass blowers. It was, it was difficult to find someone who um, was able. It looks like such such a simple form. This is the lamp that's attached to the coffee table that's attached to the yeah, unit. Yeah, yeah. The um, unit. Even even the timber is completely handmade. That's not off the shelf dowel. Um, we've made our own dowel, <laughs> which is quite incredible too. So we like a little bit of hand handmade. How can you? I mean. How do you know, you said that you have a feeling when there's something really special or you know that that something's going to work. How do you know in this case? Um, With this, it was more the sense that uh, I I had a sense that there was something missing in the market and this this essentially could... um, fill an area that I thought was really missing in the market. And that's a lot of the time um, I'm a hugely curious person. Um, often you'll find me more listening than talking, and so I'm always observing people. Um, and how they sit and how they... Yeah, and I ask a ridiculously, you know, a ridiculous amount of questions. Like, you know, normally when I'm speaking with someone, I'm the one that really delves in deep and <laughs> asks a lot, a lot of questions that most people wouldn't ask. So. Helen, with, you know, large companies like Spacecraft and... Um, Stylecraft, sorry, Stylecraft. and... Uh, space furniture mm-hmm. do they um do they say look helen we're missing this in our line of product we're getting a lot of people asking for this can you develop us something or do you have not, to suggest things to them not really it's more um yeah it, it's usually we have a really um a really great discussion about a new item but normally it's it's comes from comes from us mm-hmm. Um, so and lighting has become a separate arm of the business as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is a project we did a couple of years ago. Oh, that's Zoe, great. Zoe Planter. Um, so it's a bit oversized vase. Yeah. Planter. So it's got a little bit of a 
secret element, I suppose, or, or um, concealed element, which is its self-watering. So, in effect, the whole idea behind this Zoe planter, which is the Greek word for living thing, was that here's this pod shape um, that obviously we've cut away um, to reveal this pod shape. And it resembles, you know, I suppose the pod of or the root system of how a plant would survive under the surface, you know, and the dirt and the dirt. So it's representative here. Um, however, because the pot actually suspends um, and doesn't fall all the way through, the water is retained in the lower area and self waters. So, you know, for the lazy gardener and I am, it's fantastic. You sort of don't even have to think about it for months. It just drinks away. Um, does that, is this planter, this, um, Planted. Does that lead to another idea? Like, do you think, oh, well, that was such a successful idea? Can we kind of use that on a piece of furniture or a lighting system? Is that how you think your mind thinks? It does. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, with this one, definitely the elements of items being cut away and revealing. Um, uh, I was working on the breathe sofa. Uh, here we go, and you know, this whole idea of revealing the revealing. Arms revealing there's you know from the back view you've got these very sort of sexy lines voluptuous forms um that almost cut into the lounge yeah so you actually yeah, yeah. can almost see the form of the body yeah so there's almost that um uh you know very obvious nature of actually letting the furniture breathe that's why we called it breathe helen i also know you've done work for alessi mm-hmm. which is quite an honor it is, yeah. So that was that was really interesting because working with Alessi can often take something like ten years um, to to have a product actually come to Did market. Did you approach with them? them, or go? I approached them many times. Yeah. So um, we uh, we'd gone over there. Um, I mean, this is probably the twelfth year I've been to Milan. However, in the earlier days when I exhibited the one one chair in Minka. Um, when when I had a spare moment, I would go and try and speak with some of the other companies that we wanted to look to work with, and um, I started a relationship with um, with some of the product managers at Alessi, and it was very interesting. Um, after a few after a few conversations and a few meetings, uh, the product manager turned to me and said, hey, "Ellen, like." <laughs> We don't know. We don't know what to to work on now. Like uh, we feel very embarrassed. We want to really work on something, but it needs to. Be, yeah, it needs to be the right one. And um, that you obviously sent them a number of things yeah. in advance, and what they said it wasn't quite right yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah. And um, they came back and said, "Look, we'd really love you to design something for for uh, breakfast." And I thought, "Wow, this is great because love my breakfast, love my eggs." Um, however, I'd always thought that you know egg cups um, looked quite simple, and there was never anything that integrated. I suppose the egg. Uh, cup as well as you know spoon. a saucer and spoon etc. And so, essentially, we did a more molded idea of where the the egg falls through, um, you know, the saucer as well as becoming a cup. And there's obviously space. So the the saucer becomes where you can put the shells. Of and, course, yeah, yeah. So it's all molded into one. And the spoon just rests in an indentation on the saucer. Yeah. Made of is it silver? It's all yes, yeah, st- or stainless steel. And when was that released? 
Gee, that would have been 2010, uh, and I have, guess. Helen, <laughs> have you designed other products with them since? Uh, we actually, funny you say, um, we've got four project, projects in the pipeline with them at the moment. So, so they um, haven't given you the approval to go ahead. No, we're working through. Um, we're working through sort of final final stages of ideation, etc. But yeah, we've got quite a few projects. What does it do for a designer's career working with Alessi? Look, it's fabulous, fabulous brand. Um, it's obviously a brand that people really recognise. Um, it was. It was obviously. Um, well, it's a privilege to work with them because they've worked with some of the absolute greats um, globally. And so, yeah, it's been wonderful. It's interesting, Alberto Alessi came to Australia um, earlier in the year and he uh, mentally made a count of how many Australian designers are working with them. I mean, well, Susan Con, her concave bowl. Mm-hmm. There's you. Um, oh, look, there's so many. There's... Well, the, what I thought was just fabulous is that we make up the most from one country in the world. So there's more Australian designers uh, that they work with represented than any other culture, Why any do other you think? country. Um, he had an interesting take on it. He just felt that, you know, I suppose because we live so far away that we come up with quite unique ideas. However,. I don't know. I suppose with the internet these days, mm. we're, the world's a little flat. So, Helen, as a designer, you, you really have to come up with very creative di- ideas, very mm-hmm. individual ideas. Do you try and steer away from magazines and blogs and images so that you can have that fresh voice? I do. I do. I get, um, I get a little... Um, I get... I suppose it's just one of those things... At times, if I'm reading a lot of magazines, I start to get a little bit um, consumed by it, and you start to realise that your ideas can take shape and start to be influenced by things. And so, Doesn't when I'm have in that freshness, yeah, um, if I want to explore new d- ideas, I really need to set myself away from looking at other things because obviously you know your subconscious is a wonderful thing. So. How do you normally start the process? Is it just you? you- you don't sit down and actually consciously design. Is it more that you stumble on it on something? Normally, yeah. It's normally, um, again, going back to the curiosity and um, observance of, of people and looking at uh, different cultures and how they use particular items. That fascinates me to sort of think, you know, there's, there's some cultures that um, will use a particular item and then that'll be handed down to another generation. And it They might will, use it completely differently. Exactly, exactly. So it's things like that where I sort of look at something and kind of think, wow, you know, um, it's like the, the Lala lamp, for example. Um, I was in Turkey at the time and my husband and I uh, went to a um, whirling dervish <laughs> hmm. Um uh, evening and looking at the whirling, these Turkish whirling dervishes in their traditional costumes and, um, you know, if you if you look at video of whirling dervishes you'll see that it's very very influenced um, by looking at the culture of whirling dervishes. So, yeah, I think, um, I think I'd really struggle just to sit down and try and come up with an idea from... Helen, in terms of the, all the work that you've done over the 15 years, do you tend to... Um, 
you know, reissue the classics? I mean, in a sense, you know, the things that you're designing from, you know, the 101 chair, do you still keep them in your repertoire and, and continually sell them? Or do you feel like, oh, look, I, I want to move on from from things? How does it work? Um, I Do people it, still get the 101? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still sold through Skivello, so, which is fantastic. I mean, it's amazing for me to see products still having, you know, 12, 13 years longevity with companies. It's the way, you know, you want your products to survive um, fashion and you want it to survive um, trends and so forth. So, yeah, I, the La La Lamp, for instance, that's been sold um, from the Milan-based company in Italy uh, since 2003. So, so it has again, that longevity. Yeah. Um, but in terms of revisiting work, um, I certainly have moved on from some product forms and now have come back full circle to revisit them again. In a different way. In a different way. So we're about to release some tables that have, um, you'll definitely see a signature look uh, from some of my previous work. Yeah, for sure. Um, there must have been, while there's been enormous highlights, you've won numerous awards, um, there must have been the occasional flop. In terms of product? Yeah, um, has been something that you've released and thought, oh, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Hmm. No, pretty proud of everything we've done, to be honest. I'm trying to think. Um... No, I can't say that. Which I is quite say. rare because there's often a, you know, something that might have been a good idea at the time and then just... I think they get left on the prototyping floor. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Helen, are you still looking at, I mean, do you kind of think, oh, I might try my hand at interior design or interior, was it something that you just... I don't think interior design, however, the, the older I get, the more I look at architecture and I think to myself, gosh, you know, it'd be, it would be, uh, that would be something that... You might. I might have considered or would consider. You're still very young, Helen. Mm. Um, Young at 40, you know. Oh, just a baby. <laughs> We're, from my perspective, you're a baby. <laughs> Helen, look, it's been an absolute treat. Um, I apologise for not getting in touch with you sooner because no I really have been following your career and um, it's just amazing. You're expanding Thanks, um, quite quickly mm. and, and well-deserving. I mean, Thanks, I think Stephen. things people think design's an overnight success, you know, people can... But you've really been at it for a long time. Yeah, it does take time. And, Ideas take time. And and well done. Thank you, Stephen. You've been with Stephen Crafty. We've been uh, I've been talking to Helen Contouris and uh, talking design at RMIT University in Melbourne. And uh, thanks so much for listening.